subject of prayer and fasting. Okay, so it is the start of a new year, the 7th of January. Let, let me ask you a question, a question that probably has gone through your mind from time to time. The question I want to ask is, what do you want to achieve in life? Now, you might have already made New Year's resolutions particular to 2024, that you want to run a marathon, or you want to begin a business, or you want to buy a new car, or a new bike, or you want to lose a stone in weight, or there's something particular that you want to do or achieve in this next calendar year. But, but let's think bigger and wider for a moment. What do you want to do, achieve in your lifetime? Do you want to be successful in, in all that you do? Is it that uh, you want to be influential in your life? You know, we are called to be salt and life. We're called to make a difference. We're, we're called to be good, godly people. Or do you want to be happy? You say, well, in my life, I just want to be happy. What I want to achieve is happiness. Now, all those things are good aims. They're good things to aim for. But in God's eyes and in Scripture, there is one word that, that stands up far above all others when it comes to what we are called to achieve in life. And that word is faithful. To be faithful. You see, when we get to heaven, uh, God won't say, well done, good and happy servant. God won't even say, well done, good and successful servant. Scripture tells us that God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So when it comes to what do you want to achieve in life, what do you want to achieve in 2024, I want to put it to you that we are called to be faithful. But here's the thing about being faithful over our lifetime. It doesn't happen accidentally. We don't just fall into faithfulness. There's no way that day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, year after year after year, that we are faithful without being intentional, without intentionality. You say, well, why is that, Mark? It's because if we're honest, the trajectory of all of our lives, unless we are intentional, is cozy. Convenient, easy. You see, being faithful, especially being faithful to God and doing what is right, is rarely easy. It often comes with a cost. But let me tell you, it's always worth it. I want to start with a scripture in Habakkuk, the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse Four. This is in the New Living Translation. Look what it says, Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. 
But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. I wonder, do you know someone who is proud? Don't point at them or or don't put up your hand and say, that's me. But, you know, I wonder, you know, do you know someone who is proud? Who, who trusts in themselves, who, who trusts in their own wisdom, their own knowledge, their own goodness, their own ambition, their own bank account. We all know people who fit into that category. But the righteous are called to faithfulness, to live in faithfulness to God. Now, if I'm honest, and if we're all honest, there are times in our life, periods in our life, when we are all proud. We all fall into that category. So I want to ask, what what does it mean to be faithful? How do we live out practically faithfulness? How, How do we achieve this in our lives? Now, immediately, some of you will think, well, okay, faithfulness, be faithful to my husband, be faithful to my wife, be faithful and pay my taxes, be be faithful and work diligently, work my job, you know, do these things faithfully. Now, all those things are true when it comes to faithfulness, but, but Jesus talks about faithfulness in a slightly different way. If you do a word study on all the different ways Jesus talks about faithfulness, you can put them into three categories. Faithfulness in how you treat people. Faithfulness in how you steward your resources. And faithfulness in how you respond to God. So when it comes to this question, what do you want to achieve in life? My challenge to you at the beginning of this year is to be faithful. And I want to look at three outworkings linked into treating people, stewarding our resources, and responding to God. Three outworkings of what that practically looks like, what faithfulness looks like in reality, in our lives. So firstly, every interaction is an opportunity to add value. Everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, go back, everywhere, every place you meet, every person you meet, is an opportunity to bless and to add value. In 2024, Decide that every person that you meet at work, your family, at church, friends, strangers, is an opportunity to show the love of God in a way that brings blessing and value. Now, now let me tell you, you have to pre-decide to do this or it won't happen. You say, well, why? Why why do I have to pre-decide to do this? Won't it just come naturally? No. (laughs) We are all ridiculously focused on ourselves. Okay? I know that I am. We we all are. Let me give you an example. Flip to that. 
picture on the next slide, okay? So this was a picture that I took yesterday. It's a picture of me and my family. We were out, went for a walk in the afternoon in Epping Forest, okay? Now, when you take a picture that you are in, be honest here, you always look, how do I look? Are my eyes open? How's the smile? Does the hat match what I'm wearing? Is the, is the coat done up properly? You look at a picture like that, and let's be honest, if you've taken that picture or if you're in that picture, what do you spend the first few moments doing looking at yourself in the picture? Be honest, I know I did. Oh, that's a good one. I'm smiling, eyes are open, looking okay, all good, okay? So that's what we do. When you take a picture, if you don't believe that, then you're not telling the truth. But anyway, that, that's, that's, that's what we all do. And then we say, well, that's a good photo because I look good. And it's a bad photo if, if I don't look good. If there's something in me that doesn't quite look right, like one of my eyes is squint or I'm not looking at the camera or, or, or you know, something's out of place, my hair's out of place, then it's not a good photo. I'm giving that as an example because I want you to see that that all of us naturally, we're all naturally focused on ourselves. When you meet someone, when you meet someone for the first time and you interact with them and you you chat to them, you know, you go away after that interaction and you think, oh, did I embarrass myself in what I said? I wonder if they like me. Uh, Did I overshare or did I undershare? Too much information, too, too little information. Okay, we, we analyze it because we are focusing immediately on ourselves. Instead of that, we are to say, look, Jesus lives in me. And so I want to add value to the people that I meet and the people that are in my Life. I want to be a blessing to the people that I meet. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4 and verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. We're called to build others up. We're called that when we speak to people, it might benefit those that listen. It might bless those that come into contact with us. When you or I walk into a room at work, when we walk into a room of our friends or even a room of total strangers, We are to to improve the climate of that room. We are to be encouragers and blessers. We are to, yes, tell the truth, but tell the truth in love. We are to help people's faith rise. We are to bring value wherever we go. It's what Jesus did in his life. Jesus modeled this to us. Two very quick examples. The woman caught in adultery. What did Jesus say? Well, he didn't say anything to start with. He got down on his knees and he wrote in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but we know that Jesus then said to the woman when all of her accusers had left, he said, there's no condemnation for me. You are loved. Go and sin no more. There is a blessing that Jesus brings everywhere that he went. The same 
is to be for us, his followers. When Peter denied Jesus three times, he, he wasn't canceled. He, he, he wasn't like, no, you're ostracized, never ever to be included again into, into God's kind of crew, into God's kind of group. No, no, no. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, yes. Okay, go and do my will. Go and feed my sheep. Go again. You are empowered to go again. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. Go again. Every interaction you have in 2024, every interaction you have in your lifetime is an opportunity to bless and to demonstrate the love of God. Many of you will know I was a teacher for eight years before being a pastor. And um, one of my friends was teaching at a secondary school in East London. And um, they were an art teacher. And um, a number of years, letter. I can't remember the whole story about how the letter managed to get to them. But anyway, this letter managed to, meet, uh, managed to reach my friend who'd been an art teacher for many years at this secondary school in East London. And, and this letter was from a student of hers, a student of hers that she taught GCSE art to. And the letter was a whole ream of a story of how this girl was from a very troubled family and at one point in her life that she was going to take her own life. She was, life was so bad at home, things were so terrible that she basically predecided that Friday evening she would go home and take her own life. But Friday afternoon she had art. And Friday afternoon she was doing art, which she really enjoyed. And my friend was just walking around the classroom talking to the students and encouraging the students. And she came up to this girl who wrote the letter, put her hand on her shoulder and said, you have a real talent for art. Well done. You've got huge potential. That, that was all. You think, well, that's what every teacher should do. You know, give some value and speak some life and potential into someone's future. But that interaction meant that the girl who wrote this letter didn't go through with her plan to take her life, but instead moved to her grandparents, lived with them, carried on her schooling, went to university, and her whole trajectory of her life was changed. Now, here's the crazy thing about that story in the letter. My friend said, I can't even remember doing it. I, I can't even remember. It wasn't a big thing. It was just something that I did. But the impact, the impact was huge. The impact changed this girl's life. What do you want to achieve in 2024? What do you want to achieve in life? You want to be faithful to God by blessing others. Blessing those that you come into contact with. Bless those that you meet today at church. Bless those that you will go in tomorrow morning and see at work and those that you pass on the bus, those that you interact with in different parts of life. You have no idea how God might use a single word, a single encouragement, a single interaction to change a life. So that's the first way, the way that we can be faithful through our interactions with others, through the way we treat other people. The second way that we can be faithful is by realizing that every resource that God has given us is an opportunity 
to multiply. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, Jesus tells a well-known parable about a man, a master who goes on a journey. And he gives wealth to his servants. To one servant, he gives five bags of gold. To one, he gives three bags or two bags of gold. And to one, he gives one bag of gold. The man who he gives five and two bags to gold to risks that money, puts that money to work, goes and uses that money. And it says in Matthew 25, verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Now, listen to this. This is where the Greek sometimes gives us so much more rich pickings than the English. Because the Greek word here for faithful is pistos. And that means this. That's what it means. Is what it means. The context of faithfulness. Pistos, you have been a faithful servant. It means someone who shows themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, and the discharge of official duties. One of the ways that you can be faithful in your life, one of the ways that you can be faithful to God in your lifetime is by using, stewarding, and resourcing what God has given to you. Using that and multiplying it. Seeing it being used and put into the hands of God and seeing it multiply. So if God gives you a small one-bedroom flat in East London, you are to make that small one-bedroom flat in East London the best possible one-bedroom flat in East London. It is a place of hospitality. It is a place where you thrive. It is everything that it could be. God has given us our bodies. God has given us, uh, you know, the bodies that we are in. We are to take care of them and use them as best we can. If God has put you as the leader of a, of a particular organization or a leader of a team, whether that just be three people or 30 people or 300 people, You are to lead those people with integrity. You are to see that team multiply and flourish. God's given you a business. God's given you a job. You are to create value. You are to do the best possible job that you can do. God's given you money. God's given you finances. You are to tithe. You are to give generously what God has blessed you with. And God has given you talents with children. God has given you talents to be able to serve and help in the life of the church. You are to do that to the best of your abilities. Hope Church, we are called to steward what God has given to us. And as a church, we want to do that faithfully. As we look ahead, we want to do that faithfully. God has given us this venue, this building, the hub. We want this to be a place that blesses the community. We want this to be a place where people are trained in leadership and evangelism. We want to see this as a place where people are counseled to help them in their issues and struggles in life. We want to see it as a place where young people find it as a safe space in their week, a safe space in East London. A place for after-school clubs, a a place for interactions, a place for fun, and a place for laughter. We, We want to steward and multiply what God has given to us. 
And we want to give generously of our finances and our tithes to, to see other churches planted, to see other churches planted in London, to see a multiplication of churches planted both locally and internationally. We want to see the gospel go out, not just on our doorstep, but go out to the ends of the earth. We are to multiply what God has given to us. We are to steward what God has given to us. You see, every resource you have is an opportunity to be multiplied. What about the guy who had one bag? What about the guy who just had one bag? What does Scripture say about him? Matthew 25, 25 to 26. So I was afraid, the man says, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Wicked and lazy because this man did not use, did not put into practice, did not risk what God had entrusted to him. Church, hear that. We are to be risk takers. What, what, what? The other two men did with their five and their two was they risked it. We are to risk. We are to use. God is a God who who wants us to, to use the gifts, the talents, the finance that he has given us. God blesses risk takers. God blesses those who take faith steps, not those who hoard it and hold on to it and do nothing with what God has given to us. What do you want to achieve in life? Be faithful in multiplying what God has given you. Be faithful in putting into practice what God has entrusted you with. Okay, thirdly, finally. What does being faithful look like in practice? Thirdly, every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. Look at Acts 20 and verse 22. Look what it says. And now, this is Paul speaking, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. In the Greek, that word compelled means wrapped up in cords. In other words, you've got no choice. You've got to go. You see, Paul didn't know why he was going to Jerusalem, but he knew that he was compelled to go. When you faithfully pursue Jesus, you'll be prompted and you'll be compelled to do things. Things that won't necessarily make sense. Things that you don't necessarily understand, but you will be compelled in your spirit to do them. I want to tell you two stories from my life. One of them you might have heard before, but it's the best example I've got. And I want to tell you these two stories because I want to draw a very important conclusion. So the first story is the one that some of you might have heard before. 
It's a story of a number of years ago, just before I got married to Jen, I took a bunch of young people out to Dublin in Ireland. It was a missions team. For two weeks, we were out in Ireland, and we were sharing the gospel uh, out in the great city of Dublin. We had four or five days of training, and then we had just over a week of going out onto the streets, preaching the gospel, and, and sharing the good news of Jesus. And we spent time praying together and asking God, who do you want us to meet? Who do you want us to, to share? You know, give us insight. Give us, show us, make it clear who it is, all this kind of stuff. And one particular day, um, we'd been praying as a team, and I was with this group of four other young people and myself, and we'd all prayed and wrote down names and pictures and, and things that God had shown us that we might meet that, that day. So we went out into the streets of Dublin, and we talked to people, and we shared with people. And one of the things I had on my piece of paper was a picture of a top hat, you know, a really you know, posh old top hat. And the young people that I was with, the other four young people had seen that. And we walked the streets and we talked to people and it was time to go home. And I've got to be honest, it was time to go home. I was hungry. I was tired. I just wanted to go back to the place that we were staying and, and eat and chill in the evening. But as we walked to the bus stop where we were going to get the bus to go back to where we were staying, we walked past this very posh shop in Dublin, a bit like Harrods. I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically the Harrods version in Dublin. And what this shop had, like Harris has, is it had a doorman. And this doorman had a top hat. And as we walked by, I thought, oh, no, I'm tired. I just want to go back and eat. I'm tired. But the young people were like, Mark, look, top hat. You, that, that top look, piece of, go and God, you know, go and, you know. And I was like, okay. So got some courage up from somewhere. It was an elderly gentleman, a gentleman probably in his late 60s, and he was standing there and uh, all dressed up in his three-piece suit with his top hat. So I said to him, hi, my name's Mark. I said, you might think it's a bit strange, but I'm a Christian, and we were praying earlier today, and God kind of pinpointed some people that, that he wanted to, us to speak to. And one of the pictures I had was a picture of a top hat, and I showed him this piece of paper. And I said, all, all, all I want to say to you is that God loves you. And this guy went inside, said to his mate, can you look after the door? And his mate came outside and said, can you come with me? So I was like, yeah, I thinking I was going to get into trouble or something terrible was going to happen. And this guy says, you know, what you've just told me is, is incredible. I'm a lapsed Catholic and I can't believe that God would love me. And I can't believe that you would spend time to come and tell me. And he started crying and he sat there or stood there for about 20 minutes just telling me his life story, all that had gone on in his life. And I was able to pray for him and gave him information about a local church. Just the most wonderful experience of, you know, very falteringly kind of following the prompting of God and seeing this incredible moment when this man was deeply impacted that God loved him and God was for him. So I want you to remember that. That, that, that happened a number of years ago. That was an incredible, my, my kind of top hat story. All right. But then let me tell you another story. I was away uh, on holiday with Jen. It was a number of years ago. We had the kids. I can't remember exactly when it was. And uh, we were away. And if you're married and you've got little kids, you'll know this. But, you know, having time away is very precious. And we had this little kind of 24 hours away. And we were away. And while we were away, I got this nagging feeling. I need to go and phone so-and-so. I need to go and speak to so-and-so. I need to phone them. And I won't tell you their name. But there's this person. I just need to. I need, there's something going on in their life. 
I'm worried for them. I'm, I'm anxious for them. I don't know quite what it is. I don't know quite why, but I, I can't get it out. And, and, and I was like, Jen, I don't want to kind of disturb our time, but, you know, I feel this person. And oh. so Jen was like, just go and do it. Just go and do it. Go and, go and phone him. Go and phone him. So, okay. So I picked up the phone, phone him, and phone this person. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Anything I can pray for? No, I'm doing really good. Everything's good. Everything, you sure? Is there nothing wrong? I was like, fishing, fishing. Is there something wrong? I was like, no, 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 everything's great. Things are good. Things are really good. No, thank you for phoning. And God bless you. And, you know, we chatted and everything. But no, no, I'm great. And I went back to Jen. I was like, well, it was nice to speak to them. But didn't really feel like any particular reason why. And they were, they, they were thank you for the call. But they didn't seem like anything major or anything kind of supernatural or anything powerful that happened. I tell you those two stories because of this. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's. Okay, that's really important. Obedience is our responsibility. Go and speak to the man with the top hat. Go and call your friend. The outcome, what God does with that, that's up to him. But we're called to be obedient. That's what faithfulness looks like. And listen, sometimes you will see the reason for what you are prompted to do. And other times you won't. But you've almost got to like pre-decide, right, this is what I'm going to decide in my heart that I'm going to do. If God puts someone on my heart, I don't know why. I'm not going to try and work it out. But I'm going to send them a text, or I'm going to give them a call, or I'm going to knock on their door, or I'm going to encourage them, or I'm going to offer to pray for them, or I'm going to give to them financially or practically because I feel prompted to do that. I've decided that I'm going to be faithful. I've decided that that I'm going to obey the promptings of God. You have to decide that in advance. Otherwise, you try and analyze it. You try and work it all out. But like I said, all we're called to do is to be obedient. The outcome is up to God. So what do you want to achieve in life? It's the kind of question that we think about the start of a new year. Well, let me say to you, let me challenge you, well, be faithful and add value to the people that you meet. Be faithful and bless the people you come into contact with. Be faithful and and multiply. Steward what God has given to you. And be faithful and obey the promptings of God. Now let me bring this to land, and this, this final bit is really important. Because many of you will do what I'm about to tell you. Many of you will overestimate what you will do in the short term, but you will vastly underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. Okay, I'll say that one more time. It's on the screen. Many of you, it's how we're wired. It's what I do. Many of us will overestimate what you will be able to do in the short term, but you'll vastly underestimate 
what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. You see, you'll think, well, I can change the problems in my marriage in just a couple of weeks, or I can change my finances in just a couple of weeks, or I can change my spiritual disciplines in just a couple of weeks. Most of the time, you'll be disappointed after a couple of weeks. But you will also vastly underestimate what God will do through a lifetime of faithfulness, through ongoing faithfulness. I'll be really honest with you. Hope Church, Hope Church was planted almost 14 years ago. Almost 14 years ago. When, when we began Hope Church, there was 20 of us gathering. We were probably reaching 30, 40 people. And I was kind of wrestling with disappointment in that first year or two because, oh, you want to reach the world. You want to reach the city. You want to see lives transformed. You want to see incredible things happen left, right, and center. But 14 years of faithfulness later, I can honestly say before you, we've seen thousands of lives touched. We've seen many, many, probably in the region of around 70 or 80, baptized. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen people come together at a church where they meet and marriages are created. We've seen children born. We've seen ministries pioneered. We've seen people gain the courage and the skills to get jobs. We've seen all kinds of incredible, beautiful, wonderful things through the faithfulness to Jesus over many years. Faithfulness. Things that 14 years ago we wouldn't have imagined. Things that we wouldn't have seen possible. Yes, we want to be faithful in our marriages. We want to be faithful in raising children. We want to be faithful in raising those and caring for those around us. Yes, we want to be faithful in believing in one another and and raising up and seeing potential in one another. Yes, we want to be faithful in our finances and faithful in our serving and giving of our time and giving of our tithes and our offerings. Yes, we want to do all of those things. But we will always overestimate what we might be able to achieve in the short term and underestimate what God can achieve through a lifetime, through a prolonged time of faithfulness. Faithfulness with what God has entrusted you with. Let's go back to Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, the verse that we began with. The Old Testament prophet spoke these words in Habakkuk 2 verse 4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. What what, was my aim in life? What do I want to achieve in life? Faithfulness to God, in every interaction with other human beings, add value and bless. 
With every resource that God has given you, multiply. Risk. Put into use. Put into practice. Every prompting that the Holy Spirit brings, obey. Obey. Don't try and work it out. Don't try and wonder what the outcome might be. Obey. Because obedience is your responsibility. What do you want to achieve in life? Let me put it to you at the start of this year. Faithfulness. Let's set our hearts, set our minds on being faithful. So that one day God will say over each and every one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. We're going to close in a minute. We're going to pray. Band are going to come up and worship. And I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask that God would help us to be faithful. And let me just say this before we do worship and we do close. If you say, oh, Mark, I've not been very faithful up until this point, or I've had a patch in my life, I've had a period of time in my life where I've fallen short, I've, I've, I've messed up, I've, I've slacked off, I've been lazy, I've not used the resources that God has given to me, I've, I've disobeyed the promptings of the Spirit. The Bible tells us we are all faithless, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And scripture tells us if we confess our sins, if we are honest with God, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us and say, go again, start again, begin again. Today, you can commit to being faithful. The past Jesus will deal with that. You can look ahead and say, I'm going to commit to be 